Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. Hello, it is Wednesday, February 22nd, 2012, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I am here with Steve Say. Hello. Bob Ryer. Good evening. Stephanie Cook. Hey, hey, hey. And joining us, very special guest, editor at IGN Comics, Joey Esposito. Hello, everybody. Joey, thank you so much for joining us today. No, no problem. Thanks for having me, man. Of course. Um... So that's a really, really sweet intro, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. I have to say. <laughs> Thank you. It's a step up from what we have on IGN Assemble, I can assure you of that. <laughs> Thank you. Very kind, Joey. Very, very kind. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, we'll get into all about you, Joey, in, in, in a little bit, but let's uh, start out. We usually try to BS a little before we get into the mm-hmm. comic talk. Usually it's about video games. Uh, this is going to be a little less cool, I guess, to talk about, but um, I think Stephanie <laughs> will be on board with me. I've been watching the NBC show Smash. Uh, oh, Jesus, yes. talk about like alienating <laughs> me from this. <laughs> I'm just gonna. I just want to bring it up real quick. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> um, I did a lot of uh, theater in high school and college, and I thought it was going to be just a Glee thing, like you know, pre-written songs, just different arrangements. Um, and it's not that at all. It's really kind of inside baseball about. Uh, the making of a Broadway show and it's original songs by Broadway composers. All right, they have a couple covers, but it's not really the focus uh, of the show. It's something that's a little bit trite, and there's a little bit stuff that's a little on the nose. But hey, it's about musicals, so yeah. that's kind of what happens. I think too, like it's really like talent oriented, and uh, like Catherine McPhee. I mean, American Idol. She's mm-hmm. in it, but I believe the other girl who stars in the show is actually. Um, a Broadway star, like she played uh, Glinda in Wicked. Yeah, in it's uh, Megan Hilty is her name. Yes. Yes, she is a Broadway star. Yes. Uh, and she's very good, but it's cool. Like, the, and the numbers have been really, really well done. I think that the staging has been really cool, and it is all Broadway choreography, so it really shows. Like, it's not you're not watching numbers, and they're like, "Oh, this is our Broadway number," and it's kind of lame. You know, I mean, if you don't like musicals, that's going to be lame anyway. But you know, it, it feels like I could be sitting in a Broadway theater and I could be watching these songs. So it's, it's I would cool. I would see their play that they're making. Yeah. I've had like a couple of the songs from the show stuck in my head since mm-hmm. I watched the first episode. It is it's pretty that's, good. That's good then. Yeah. yeah. Now, now I haven't watched the show but I I have to ask you this. Last night was the third episode, correct? Yes. And uh, I don't know if you saw, but Huffington Post, the, one of the TV people there had this post about don't watch the third episode, it's terrible, but then, you know, then watch it after that. 
Oh, I'm really? just curious if this episode was as bad as she had made it out to be. Um, I don't think so. I just finished watching the third episode, actually, uh, before we started recording. And um, it wasn't as good as the pilot and the second episode, because it was their first episode outside of the audition process kind of thing, which they did very well in the first two episodes. I don't think it was horrible. I, I don't think that it's it's best foot forward, but I wouldn't call it horrible. There's some stuff with like the personal stuff with some of the characters that I just I think isn't very well developed. I think it's really at its best when it's in the like the theater world, you know, doing that thing. So right. yeah, that's pretty much Yeah. And I haven't seen the third episode yet because mm. I don't have cable, so you know. Canada. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's very Where we don't have technology. Yeah, you don't have cable. It's on NBC. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cable here in Canada. Oh that's true. That's true. I guess it is. I'm being very uh <laughs> We'll put it in that pipeline. CBC that we're not is either. like we'll our television in there too. Yeah. Default um, station. So that's enough about uh, Broadway. Uh, yeah, <laughs> we should probably talk about comic books. Probably what, what we're gonna here to do. Um, so we're gonna start out with. I'm not gonna. We actually, I suppose those of you who listen to the show, we recorded very not too long ago because we missed last week. So book of the week has been a little difficult for me because I've been reading a lot of new books <laughs> since since we since. recorded on Thursday. Um, so. I did see Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, however. We. We did. Steve and I uh, saw it. And Joey, I'm pretty on. sure you saw it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I actually, I haven't seen it, and I probably won't see it until it ends up on TBS in five years. Okay. <laughs> yeah, very very funny. <laughs> very wise so, choice. Very wise. Yeah. Um, so the 2007 film is not good. It, it's boring and kind of uninspired. Uh, it's one of the only movies I've fallen asleep during. <laughs> oh, it's not that bad. Wow. It's that bad. Um, I, one thing I was excited about, this is a, it's funny to be excited about this, because going in this Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance now, it's directed by Neville Dean and Taylor, who made Crank, Crank 2 and Gamer, right? I've never really liked any of their movies, but I've Come always... On. What? Talk about <laughs> Gamer's so good. It's not so good. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> that whole like second life thing is so stupid i never saw it oh okay <laughs> damn you joey <laughs> um but you know they have a crazy style and i was like okay maybe they have a crazy style they'll bring at least some sort of vision to it um some sort of purpose because the original directing doesn't have any purpose has no vision there is a vision in this movie unfortunately that vision is not to make a good movie <laughs> uh it it has all the stupid, over-the-top crap that all their movies has, except now they place it onto a character who has an origin, who has a backstory, who has uh, you know, uh, all that stuff to him, and it doesn't fit at all. It's not an original character. It feels like they have no respect for the character, and that's the one thing, as bad as two, the, the 2007 movie is, it at least seems like Mark Steven Johnson likes the character. Mm-hmm. This, it feels like... We don't care about the character. We want to do crazy shit. Who cares about Ghost Rider? That's basically what that feels like to me. Um, Steve, you also did not like it. I didn't like it at all. Right. Um, <laughs> I felt that uh, about 15, 20 minutes into it, I, I turned to you and I said, are they trying to make this as bad as I feel <laughs> that it is? Right. Um, and my, my, major, my major beef with it, I mean, I, say what you want about the first movie. I don't really remember the first movie very well, but I do remember watching it and walking away from it saying like, you know, all right, it wasn't as bad as people had made it out to be. It wasn't great, but it wasn't as bad as I thought. And it had entertained me on some, even if it was a low level, on some level. This one, 
was not, it just, it was so over the top stupid mm -hmm. that I don't know anything about Ghost Rider. Mm -hmm. And these movies are supposed to be your introduction to the character and making you want to seek more adventures of this character out. Mm -hmm. It didn't do that for me at all. Right. It, it made me feel like not even knowing the character, I felt that the character's misrepresented without even having any knowledge of who the fuck wow. he is. Yeah. And um, it was it bored me to shit. Mm -hmm. The whole kid antichrist crap. Mm -hmm. I, I've seen that in so many movies and done poorly. And Nicolas Cage, I don't usually bag on him. I don't mind him. I mean, he's a little ridiculous, but his like flip out angry <laughs> scenes are just more Nicolas Cage cliched bullshit. It doesn't right. fit the character. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really, honestly, dude, it was it was so bad. Yeah, it was so bad. See, I thought the first one had a certain earnestness to it. Earnestness mm -hmm. to it. It wanted to be good. It mm -hmm. tried, right, and yeah. it didn't succeed. It's a two star. Mm -hmm. Okay, I can watch this on yeah. TBS kind of thing. Mm -hmm. just, just what Joey's saying. Yeah. What you're saying about this one is don't walk into the theater. Just no, don't walk avoid the it all costs. Because what they do is. Now, during the first like 30 minutes of the movie, you obviously weren't liking it, Steve. I was a little more kind to it because I was like, well, if the whole movie is going to be fucking ridiculous, then I'll just take it as it comes, you know? And there was a couple cool action scenes <sighs> and the effects looked good. The, the one thing about the thing is the Ghost, Ghost Rider as a character looks way better than he did in the 2007 movie. Um, that yeah, could just but... be because it's five years later from effects. But um, once they go the second part of the movie, they start to try to get you like invested in the characters. And then it's this sort of weird Terminator 2 like ripoff thing where the yeah. Ghost Rider is accompanying this kid to try to get him to a certain place, protect him, and they have these and the scene you see in the trailer with the Ghost Rider pissing fire, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. They, they try to make that like a poignant thing in the movie. It's like they, how it's like how the kid realizes he's like he's still a human being. You they know? mentioned it's, it twice. Yeah. Like they bothered to show it to you. That horrible, <laughs> horrible scene. Yeah. And they managed to bring it up again. Mm -hmm. And it it was dude, it was so bad. It's really bad. I know that you enjoyed it a little bit more. Like, like I did. Idris Alba, he was cool. He was cool in it. But yeah. the movie sucked. It did. It did suck. I would have watched the whole movie about Idris, Al Idris Alba's character. <laughs> Um, they did do cool stuff. I thought the thing with like him being the rider of different things and making the different things his mount. The crane was the highlight of the movie. The crane was really cool. That it was it. It was like all. A, it was yeah. it was already going downhill, wow. and it was like a, a stiff drop off from that. Yeah, it looks like a Final Fantasy boss. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> yeah, Shinra. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that's yeah. That's what I felt most strongly about since last time we recorded. <laughs> it was not good. There's a review up on the site if you want to read that over at talkingcomicbooks.com. Um. Steve, book of the week. Uh, my book of the week is going to be really brief because I just don't have the brain capacity to talk for uh, about it very long. But I'm glad you finally admitted that to us. Yeah, no, um, let's see. Words. Words. Um, my book of the week is a new series from Robert Kirkman, a story by Robert Kirkman and written by Nick Spencer with art by Sean uh, Martinbrow, which is Thief of Thieves which is a very, very cool um, like thief, espionage, kind of spy thriller kind of thing. Um, really, really great uh, character-driven book. Uh, there's, it's one of those books that sets up its characters so well with a little bit of the backbone of the plot, but enough of it that by the time that you reach the final page, like you just know that in the issues to come that like shit's going to go down. Mm -hmm. Um, it's basically the story of uh, these two characters, Redman, who is a master thief of his generation, and a um, 
woman that he meets named Celia, who they, they meet one day. She's trying to steal his car, and he basically takes her under his wing, and they begin to pull off these major heists. Um, the book centers around a job that's supposed to go down in Venice that they've been planning with these huge, like, you know, mob bigwigs um, that they've been planning it for three years. And uh, they're all about to meet with one another for the last time before this big job goes down. And uh, Redman has an announcement to make. The end. Um, really, like I said, really, really cool. Artwork is great. Uh, really character-driven. The characters are strong. They've got great personalities. The writing is spot on for this kind of thing. And um, I, I totally, I've, I've read it like three times since, since I picked it up. Very nice. Um, and each time I appreciate it a little bit more. It's got a couple of quips, a couple of little jokes. And um, I'm really, really curious to see where it goes. I think it's going to be a solid series. Nice. So Thief of Thieves, it's my book of the week. Yeah. Uh, I read it before we came on, and I feel just as you do. The banter between the two characters, Celia and Redmond, is really, really well done. Mm-hmm. Very sort of clipped, funny, interjected, mm. really nicely done. Very cinematic. It, it's Kirkman, so. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's Nick, Nick Spencer, too. Nick Spencer um, does Morning Glories, Morning correct? Glories. Yeah. yeah. He's got, I mean, he's got a way of, of crafting a story that draws you in. And like I said, even without so much information as to what the job is, with actually no information as to what the job is, I'm so curious as to what it was that they were going to try and pull off. So, Very we'll cool. see. Joey, yes. did you have you been reading Thief of Thieves, or did you read Thief of Thieves? I did. I picked it up. I actually talked to Kirkman about it last week. Um it's a, I, I thought it was really fun. You know, I, I'm a sucker for for a heist story. <laughs> yeah. Um, and like you you were saying, you know, Nick Spencer has this way of not only structuring the story, but his he's always got a really good voice for whoever he's writing. Mm. Um, at, at least as far as his creator own stuff goes. Right. Um, and you see that in Morning Glory. It's like all oh, there's so many. The, the cast is so wide in that book, but every character is so unique and has a really definitive voice and i think we're starting to see the same kind of thing in thief of thieves after only one issue so i I mean i'm totally into it i'm hooked i'll be back for next time right on if it's anything like morning glories it's like crack it's not like morning (laughs) glories at all so bizarre well no just like i mean in terms of addictiveness (laughs) it's really the the characters they draw you in Mm -hmm. like i i want to read the next i want to read the next issue because i instantaneously fell in love with the two main characters i like their chemistry i think it's really good Mm. interesting cool yeah um joey what do you got for us for book of the week uh my book of the week as we discussed earlier is actually from like 2007 (laughs) (laughs) um just because you know as as part of my job like i'm constantly reading superhero books and everything and it, it, it's a sweet job not gonna lie but it's also really tiring when you're reading stuff that i you know after a while it all kind of bleeds together unless it really really stands out in some way mm-hmm. and couple that on top of all the industry stuff going on all the you know the the ghostwriter stuff and the watchman stuff and all this creator write stuff that's happening i just i needed a break from all of that so i reread local um, from Brian Wood and Ryan Kelly, which is one of my favorite books. I mean, it's just a slice of life book about a, a young woman named Megan who you basically it's 12 issues of following her throughout her life as she moves from city to city and the, the different people that she meets and things. And it's just a really, really simple idea. But, you know, when you when you read superhero comics so much, it's just you start to 
appreciate more the the real life drama, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Like this book's very real. There's nothing fantastical about it, and I, I just love that idea of of a slice of life story that can be every bit as dramatic and tension filled and emotional as anything with a, a capes and tights and stuff. And mm-hmm. I just these are the kind of comics that I really love. So that's what I read. I had to I had to read it after such a you know, it's been a rough month in the <laughs> in the superhero comics industry, so I needed to sort of balance myself. Oops, we had a little uh, problem there. GarageBand quit as it was want to do. Um, so <laughs> I don't think it liked Joey's discussion about superhero comics. I think uh, it's uh, just like the real comic book industry. Yeah, God forbid yes. you speak out against superhero comics, you're done. <laughs> yeah. You're you're finished forever. <laughs> No, I mean, no, I I totally, I love superheroes. You know, it's the bread and butter of the industry, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like it, (laughs) it can be a lot, especially when you're reading every book, you know, you know, I mean, most people drop the, the, I I totally always say this, like if you're buying Superman, for example, out of habit Mm -hmm. and you're not enjoying it, drop the book because you're just wasting your own money. God forbid you have a, a, a like a gap in your run or something. Who cares? It doesn't matter. Yeah, those but, runs don't matter anymore. Exactly. Like they're always going to be relaunched with yep. a, a new number one or whatever. <laughs> and just, just use that money and try something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's you know, we're, the position that I'm in. I ha- you know, it's my job to read these things to let people know this sucks. Don't buy this or whatever. So, reading even bad books week in and week out. It really, it you know, it does a number on you to some degree. You're reading comics for work, but it's also you're reading. Sometimes you're reading crappy ones. So right, you got to read the good stuff on the weekends and just you know cleanse balance the, yourself yeah, out. Cleanse the palate. <laughs> right on. Yeah. Um. So do you get some get like annoyed when books you think are bad are selling well? <laughs> it's, that's that's the thing. Like if you if you look at the top. There's a bunch of good ones in there, but then you have stuff like Batman the Dark Knight, which you know only sells because it's called Batman the Dark Knight. If people were actually like reading this book and actively like, okay, this is terrible, I'm not going to buy this anymore, that wouldn't be in the top ten because that book is awful. <laughs> like that's that's just it's. I get that it's the the popcorn book, you know, mm-hmm. it's just the action, you know, macho book, but still, like it's just it's. Ugh, why would you want to? spend money on that I just don't understand there's a capsule review why are you spending money on this yeah. I didn't yeah. I didn't like it until the uh, until the, the latest issue when the scarecrow showed up but every issue before that was awful so I liked I liked was that the one where Superman showed up also yes I liked that yeah. book yeah. solely for the reason that it's the only book I mean I, I'm enjoying action comics with uh, Morrison mm-hmm. but it's also like the whole you know the the origin kind of story thing that's going on and i really want a story with superman just being superman and being awesome and that doesn't exist and <laughs> that story in batman the dark knight was the closest i've gotten to it right because man proper is no good no it's not um, uh what's the other book uh justice league he's you know it's still again back at the beginning kind of thing and he's mm-hmm. not really superman yet and right. I, I just i just want superman to be awesome and it's just <laughs> not happening yet so Ooh. I will say that about the Dark Knight. There we go. So don't read Batman the Dark Knight. So don't spend your money. <laughs> yeah. No, it's not. It's not worth it. I mean, if you haven't been collecting it up until this point, there's no, there's no reason to jump on yet. Right, and there's a better Batman books to read. 
Well, yeah, Scott exactly. Snyder's There's only ten yeah. Batman books. Yeah. Why are you buying that one? Because <laughs> like, oh, but, Dark Knight. I liked that movie. movie. <laughs> that's basically what it is, you know. Yeah, uh, but it, it's getting a new writer soon, so hopefully things will turn around at that point. Yeah, there and, you go. Uh, we'll see. Nice. All right, so uh, Bob, you also have a older. Oh, yeah, uh, Joey, you felt bad about 2007. Mine's from 1997. Ooh, nice. Because <laughs> we, we, we had this gap, you yeah. know, in, in recording. So I was just moving through the boxes and came across from 97 uh, to DC Elseworlds, Amazonia. Uh, William Messner Lobes, who was writing the book at the time. And it's done in an art style by Phil Winslade and Patricia Mulvihill in these sort of woodcuts, finely detailed little lines set in a Victorian-era England where the entire royal family has been wiped out in an explosion. We end up with an American cousin on the throne who isn't quite what he's what he appears to be. It's, I, there's too many spoilers here, even though it's a, this older book. Right. Uh, some of Wonder Woman's story happens in the way you anticipate. There's a Steve Trevor, and he's part of the Air Marines. They actually have flying ships. She's a an infant taken back to an England that's run by the only way to say this is a chauvinist creep. Uh, women are possessions, and something happens to change that. Mm. It's a fun story. It's empowering, wonderfully written and drawn. It's a different take on a, on a familiar story, and it's just a lot of fun. Got a lot of attention when it came out all these years ago, and it's one of these things that's now with now, I guess, four different reboots of Wonder Woman in the 15 years since. <laughs> you know, none of the, this is as good an origin story as anything else. Right. So I would say this is one to pick up. And, just for a fun read. I only read the first couple of pages, and I actually liked it much better than the new Wonder Woman run, so <laughs> I don't know what that says. Yeah, I was well, not too thrilled with the start of the new one either, I have to say. Tried it and got not much out of it, though I liked it better than the Straczynski run that followed into the 600s. Gotcha. Okay. I like the art new new Wonder Woman book, but... Yeah, there, yes, are, there, are, part, there, are, there yeah. are aspects to it that I like, but overall, I was, just, I was expecting so much more mm -hmm. from the story at this point. It just seems like they've been doing a lot of hanging around, like... Wonder Woman goes to the club, and I'm just like, what are we doing here? What's you know? Well, I think it, it's a character that's really not been used well for many, many years, mm -hmm. uh, and she is part of their big three, and no one seems to get a good handle on this. Maybe Byrne did, maybe Perez did, mm -hmm. going back in Jimenez at that point, but... Stephanie, Joey, any opinions on where Wonder Woman's at this at this I, point in time? I haven't actually read the new Wonder Woman stuff from the DC New Fifty Two. I picked it up, but I haven't gone through it yet. I'm really enjoying it, actually. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, I'm a huge Cliff Chang fan, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Like anything he does, it could be Deadpool, who's a character that I loathe. If he's drawing yeah. it, I will absolutely <laughs> pick that up. Um, but no, I, I'm, I'm really digging it. I mean, Azarello is doing some kind of... He, he's changing things a little bit. And um, I, I think he's one of those writers where his intentions aren't entirely clear right off the bat. And I, I, I hate to use the term trade waiting, but like if you okay. read this, if you read his work in a, and you know, as a whole, you know, 12 issues in or something, I think you'll be better off. Can I, but, um, can I ask you a question since you've sure. been reading Wonder Woman? So nobody's been able to answer this for me yet. Why is the character Strife, why is she able to hang out with Wonder Woman and all of her friends after she, in only in the second issue, like slaughtered half the <laughs> island 
and she's able to just. Pa- I never got that. Like, did I miss a page? Like, why That's is totally she? Totally cool, dude. But like, whatever. No big deal. Yeah. Like they're they're at the club and they're watching a band and they're like, you know, oh, you want a drink? And I'm just like, holy shit! Like you just you just killed like 17 Amazons, and like you're chilling. Mm-hmm. Well, her name is Strife. What do they really expect her to do? I don't do? know, but I mean, <laughs> if somebody... my friend Strife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If somebody killed 17 of my siblings, <laughs> I would be pretty pissed. Yeah. It would depend which ones, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, I... maybe she took out the bad ones. I was just, I was confused. I was like, I was reading the issues, and I'm like, I don't get it. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they pissed at her? <clears throat> maybe because she could kill them in like a drop of the hat. So she uh, Joey, do you have any, do you know? or? I, no, I don't have an answer for you, only that I'm still enjoying it. <laughs> love conquers all. Fuck it, who cares, yeah. man? Everybody she wants loves to hang her too with much, and she has to forgive her mass murder, marine homicidal ways. Well, I think it's like yeah. a like a like a respect to the gods kind of situation, but it's pretty. This is pretty heinous, right? You yeah, know, like everybody's. This is a pretty heinous crime. I yeah, agree. like people are catching fire and swords stabbed through their guts, and mm-hmm. it's just like, oh, let's go to let's Look. go to see this band. Man. All right. You know, what does the comics code think of this? Not much, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> The who? The yeah, I know, yeah. Show my age. If you want to be friends with Wonder Woman kids, murder lots of Amazon. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, that's a lesson. That's to a do, lesson. Yeah, put on your to-do list. Right. <laughs> they actually, from the what I've read of the book, they seem more angry at Wonder Woman about it than they angry at Strife about it. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the thing. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's some really, there are some really cool things going on, and I do like the whole mythological aspect to it. I just don't know... I want to know what's going on with the 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 group that she's hanging out with. Mm-hmm. The the thing with strife is really bothering me. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> it's time for a. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I you know, you're not in the room with him. He's very perturbed right now. He's like looking down, <laughs> and he's <laughs> he's angry. He's rocking back and forth. Yeah. Yes. Uh, All right. So one room discussion to be continued. Dude, yes. Stephanie, <laughs> yes. Um, what do you got for yeah. us for book of the week? So I went and I picked up um, the activity number one from Image Comics. Okay. Uh, it came out back in December, December 21st, I believe. Mm-hmm. And um, it's kind of like this spy, Mission Impossible-ish, uh, super secret government agency tasked with super secret missions. Um, there's lots of secrets going on. Yeah. 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 There's, there's lots of secrets and they're super secret. So, you know, that means they're extra, extra secret. Words. You don't get any more <laughs> secret than that. Yeah. <laughs> Top Anyways, whole secret. Because everything is super, super secret, there's not really too much character development uh, that I found in this issue. And everything is sort of trying to, I guess, build up to the ultimate plot, which doesn't really take place in this particular issue. Mm-hmm. Anyways, <laughs> so Bobby's read this book, but I, I'm just going to mm-hmm. get to the point as to why it's my book of the week. Um. So basically, I fell in love with the art. Um, the story's written by Nathan Edmondson. Edmondston? Yeah, Edmondston. Yeah, that was the one. <laughs> and the art's by Mitch Jer- Jareds. Jared Gura, there she goes. Jer- mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, names! Anyways, it's written by Mitch. <laughs> um, but seriously, it's the guy amazing. The What? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, Mitch, he's awesome. <laughs> We're on a first name basis. Anyways, he 
he does this incredible job of setting the tone for the story. I couldn't care less about what actually happens in the story. It's just beautiful to look at. Um, there's several different locations that it takes place in. And I mean, as soon as it changes locations, you don't even need to be reading the little panel that says where they're at. You know, like, it's just so detailed. And um, there's this one panel where, like, the sun's setting. And, um, like, I swear to God, it feels like the sun is on your face. Like, mm -hmm. it's beautiful. <laughs> and um, the art is the reason that I'm actually interested in checking out this book further. Um, yeah. I did read the book. I read it back in December. I reviewed it for the site. And I thought the art was also really cool. And it gave – it really felt – very cinematic, very much like I was watching an episode of a, a television show that was like a jet-setting television show, like, like you know, Alias or something like that, um, where they go a lot of locations. Uh, but uh, it was not enough to overcome what I thought was a really uninteresting story and a, a, characters that had no definition to me. There was no definition of characters. They were just kind of stereotypical this is this guy, this is that guy, this is the snarky guy, this is the quiet guy, This is, you know, that was the whole thing, and they weren't written with enough flavor to them that made me want to come back for another issue. Um, I definitely agree that there's not much to go on as far as the characters, and I haven't, I, I picked up, I think there's, what, two, they're into two or three now? Anyways, I, I didn't read any yeah, of the three, editors three. yet, um, but basically I just, out of everything I read, the thing I loved this because of the art. So, cool, uh, yeah. Joey. Have you checked it out at all? <laughs> the activity. Uh, I read issue one, mm -hmm. and actually, they were sold out of issue two when it came out. And so last week, I just picked up two and three when it came out. Okay, um, but I haven't caught up yet. But I, I didn't. I enjoyed the first issue, but I do agree that the characters just sort of bleed into each other. Um, but I, I think that's something that'll be resolved as we move on. Um, but yeah, I, I dug it. Cool. It's cool. Cool espionage story. Very nice. All right. Secret, so super secret spies. <laughs> Sorry. A lot of, lot of hyphens word. in there, Stephanie. Yeah. Thank you, Stephanie, for that Here. good end cap off to your, your talk <laughs> about the activity. Um, so, um, going past these books, Joey, um, you also, you, you created a book, right? I I did, mm -hmm. and it should. I thought it was going to be coming out next week, but it looks like Diamond has, you know, up and changed those uh. those plans. <laughs> um, so I it, it should be, you know, out within the next couple of weeks. The trade paperback. Um, but I have a book called Footprints, which we launched a Kickstarter for last year around, actually around this time. Um, which is crazy. I can't believe it's been a year. Um, but it's a four issue miniseries and uh <clears throat> excuse me. It's a, a noir crime mystery, but it stars big of, of cryptids. So you have Bigfoot, you have Loch Ness Monster, uh Chupacabra, the Jersey Devil, and wow. um the Megalodon, the Jump and all our our uh Femme Fatale character is called Moth Teresa, who's a take on the Mothman. Um, and so it's a four issue series that has been very well received and I'm, I'm really, really happy with how it turned out. Um, but yeah, the, we have an introduction in the book from Scott Snyder, who you know, from Batman and yes. American Vampire. Mm -hmm. 
And uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm really happy with it. Awesome. Uh, where'd you kind of get the inspiration for it? Um, it's funny, like a, a few years back, I mean, back when I was a while back, back when I was in school, um, I sort of had this idea like driving down this country road or whatever, like a really dark road with no street lamps or anything. Like what happens if Bigfoot jumps out in front of your car, you hit him, and that's it. Like you've you're the person that's discovered that Bigfoot exists. You are instantly the most famous person on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like this is a legitimate find, like a scientific mm-hmm. miracle. So that idea that was an idea that I had that didn't really go anywhere. And then it spawned into what if you hit Bigfoot with your car and you just kept going and it was a hit and run? <laughs> like what would happen to Bigfoot's body? Like who would come looking for him? Who would come trying to try to figure out what happened? Um and so that morphed into this idea of this sort of like watchman idea of like a Justice League of cryptids coming together to figure out who killed their their former or their former leader or whatever, um, which eventually morphed into the less ridiculous idea, I guess if you can call it less ridiculous, of uh, the the plot of big of footprints is actually Bigfoot's estranged brother Yeti. They used to be partners in their private detection company. Nice. And and so what happened? You know, some stuff happens which we explore in the series. Like you get to see why this rift was built between them and everything. A girl probably. Oh, absolutely. Okay, of course. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you get to see what, what happens here. But the, the story kicks off with, um, this, you know, Bigfoot gets this strange letter from his brother who he hasn't talked to in years. And he goes up to the Arctic where he lives to find him. And he just finds his head, his body decapitated. And so um, that kicks off sort of Bigfoot getting his old team back together to figure out what happened to his brother, the Yeti. And that's where the that's where the story kicks off, and you know we pretty hard boiled detective action mixed with mixed with some horror. I'm really really happy with the way it came out, and that we were able to sort of explore a lot of different genres within only four issues. Very cool. Um, so, what was the kind of the process like of getting it together, getting your the artist you have on the on the job, and how was the whole Kickstarter experience? Kickstarter was great. I mean, there. I mean, first and foremost, they're a community, and so there's people on Kickstarter that literally just surf the site to, like, find stuff to fund, you know, because mm-hmm. you, get, you get free stuff out of it, which is cool. Mm-hmm. I've funded stuff myself, um, but there's a whole community behind it that on, on their Facebooks and, and social networking and stuff. It's, that's all I do. But then Kickstarter themselves, the only way they make money is if your project is successful. Mm-hmm. So... You know, inherently, they're automatically want your project to succeed, so they'll do whatever they can to promote you. You know, we were on the front page of Kickstarter for a couple of days or whatever, which is huge. You know, that just you go to Kickstarter.com and there's footprints right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, stuff like that, or a newsletter, or tweeting, or whatever. And all the employees are really, really friendly. Like I met some of them at New York Comic Con. I was on their panel talking about. Kickstarter and, and using it for comics and such, along with, you know, the people from Womanthology, which I'm sure you know is mm-hmm. like this insanely successful Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's just a really great community and they're really into promoting art and promoting these projects as the creator envisioned them. And it it all works out to your benefit because, you know, it's it's something that they need to succeed to make any money from. So 
Awesome. Um, and the uh, artist you work with? So Jonathan Moore, I found on digitalwebbing.com when I was looking for an artist for a pitch for Zuda back before they went the way of the dodo. Right. <laughs> and uh, what happened was the timing just worked out where right as we were getting started on that pitch, which was called Roscoe and Alice Find God, which never amounted to anything but, you know, eight pages of a pitch, <laughs> uh, Zuda announced that they were shutting down and that was that. Mm-hmm. So we finished that pitch and it just sort of was there. And so then I started talking to him. And by that time, you know, we'd become more friendly and more comfortable with each other as collaborators. So I started talking about the footprints idea, which didn't have a name at the time, but it sort of evolved. And, you know, he brought his ideas to the table and things. And that's why we're, you know, we're credited as co-creators. And uh, he's without him, like footprints would be. I don't know. Nothing. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, his style is so, he's a former anatomy teacher. So he's really into the wow. technicalities of artwork and the human body and things like just making sure it's all technically correct. You know, he's not super stylistic in anything. I mean, he can work with a variety of materials from watercolor to uh, like tea and things like that. Like he's really, really versatile. But at the core, he's a technical artist. And so I think that helps Footprints, you know, as fantastical and absurd as it is, it grounds it in a reality that makes it more digestible to people, I think. We do have a fan question that's related to this as well. Well, bring it on. Yeah, yeah. We do. Oh. Um, so Aaron White, who is Chief Aaron on Twitter and one of our newer review contributors um he wanted to know was it your dream to create comics a comic before you began your work for ign or did working in the industry inspire you to make a comic oh no i was totally 100 percent creator before any of this like the press stuff happened um i mean you know like most writers and i'm sure like all of you guys have been writing stories of one kind or another since you were younger people yep um <laughs> Um, but in, no, in college, you know, I went to film school and, uh, in college I took a lot of comics courses that my school was awesome enough to offer, um, from things just like going over graphic novels and, you know, like studying graphic novels to actually making comics, like mini comics, you know, the up in FedEx office all night stapling together mini comics. That was, you know, that whole, (laughs) that whole thing. Um, so I did a lot of that. And cartooning myself really horribly and <laughs> all that great stuff. But th- that sort of showed me, gave me a larger appreciation for comics in general and just what's possible that isn't possible in any other medium, whether it be movies or novels or whatever. Um, and so that, you know, I was striving to make my own comics and I sort of fell into writing about comics just kind of arbitrarily like I was looking for writing gigs just to I was working at Starbucks at the time so I I wanted to actually use this degree that I had that was completely useless (laughs) and and use it for something and so I started this really small website and then eventually grew to um, doing something else at at a bigger website and eventually worked my way up to where I am now Mm -hmm. but um, no I mean Footprints began before I was at IGN um and yeah so creator force and foremost was my my dream job 
Awesome. Great. Um, so you have the trade coming out, we hope, in the next couple of weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there yep. any if people get individual issues still, or is it should we just wait for the trade? Um, I think the only real individual issues, because we were black and white. No God, you know. <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> we're a black and white book. Um, so they didn't, they didn't, but you can still get them at 215inc.com, which is our publisher. Um, I believe they still have the issues for sale. And of course you can get them digitally um, on graphically. We're working on getting comiXology. I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but we're also available on the two and five ink iPad app. Um, and all four issues should be available on there. Awesome. Great. Um, so we're going to, you're going to stay with us for the, our topic of the week, which is going to be our listener uh, questions. Um, we're going to take a little break and we'll come right back with that. We are back. Um, before we get into our topic, Joey, you had some other stuff that you're you're doing that you wanted to talk about. Yeah, I just want to do plug really quick. Okay. Um, I don't know if you guys are fans of professional wrestling, <laughs> but if you are familiar with Chikara, who is a really, really great indie wrestling promotion, um, I mean, you watch WWE, it's completely different. It's really, really awesome athletic stuff um, but they have some really great characters and I'm actually writing a webcomic for them um, it's an 8 page webcomic a new page goes up every Friday at chikarapro.com slash comic which if you know their character Frightmare he's this really cool almost spawn looking kind of <laughs> character who's, who's one of their really most popular wrestlers but I'm writing his secret origin basically uh-huh. um, so it's a really cool little story um, and a new page goes up every Friday Awesome. So I just wanted to pimp that. And also, there's I'm going to be in an upcoming horror anthology with um, Rachel Deering is putting it all together. She's a really, really great editor. Um, but it's basically every writer I, – I actually wrote, co-wrote the story with uh, my good friend Eric Norris. And um, it's we were all given a monster and a location and just told to run with it. It's, there, it's a series of 12-page stories. Um, also included is uh, Andrew Foley who wrote – Cowboys and Aliens, mm-hmm. um, Nate Cosby, who writes Pigs at Image Comics, um, and, and a bunch of other people. Sean Aldridge, who writes Vic Boon, one of my favorite indie books. Um, so stay tuned for that. I think they're going to do a Kickstarter thing at some point. Um, like all the art's being worked on right now. And uh, there's a cover from Steve Ellis, who did High Moon at Zuda. And uh, I think we have an, like a forward or something from Joshua Hal Fialkov, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just to keep a lookout for that. I mean, if you follow me on Twitter or any of those people, I'm sure you'll be hearing about it. But definitely something to look forward to. How can people follow you on Twitter if they're not already? You can find me on Twitter at Joey Esposito. Oh, it's very go. simple. Very, wow. very easy. Um, and do you have a website or anything? Um, I also – I mean besides IGN obviously. Right. But you can find all my, my personal blog and all my work and stuff on JoeyEsposito.com. All right. Awesome. Um, and you can you find links to all that stuff in the show notes um, going up on the site. So you guys can look for it there if you're listening right now, um, which you'd have to be. If, if you're, you're not listening right now, yeah. Sometimes <laughs> the brain doesn't, you know, 
the words and the brain don't really go together. Um, so let's uh, go on to our topic of the week. We asked for some listener questions. We got a very, very good response. Um, Stephanie, you're going to kind of lead the charge with this. So right. why don't you take it over? With your Canadian internet. Yeah. Yes, yeah. with my Canadian gerbil run polar bear internet. <laughs> um, so the very first question I thought we would start off with um, was from Melissa Megan and she wants to know what was the first comic read and was it a positive or negative experience and did it influence your tastes later? Um, so I, I guess we'll start things off with maybe Bobby. Okay. Uh, so I don't remember the first comic I read because I was probably five or whatever. Uh, but I can tell you my, my, my first real memory of going to a comic book shop to buy something because I wanted to get it wasn't just books that were passed down to me. It was uh, Spider-Man 30th anniversary when they were doing all those holographic sure. covers. And it was a Web of Spider-Man uh, number 90, I think it was. I think that's what it was. Was that the red one? The red one, yeah. Okay. That, that, that was, that's the first book I remember going to a comic book store because I wanted to buy it. It was like 1992, I think, because um, I, I wanted to buy it. I was going to spend my allowance money on it. you know. And obviously, it was a positive experience or we probably wouldn't be here. Right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Uh, but yeah that's what i remember i mean is that book any good i have no idea because i was eight or whatever when that book came out but um i that was my first real experience i remember d- doing um joey do you have uh something off the top of your head i mean my, my parents were both comic book nerds i mean my mom had you know back from the the 50s the superman's girlfriend lois lane and all these all these books my, my grandfather threw away um <laughs> As she, you know, got older and moved out or whatever. So I've always, like you, I've always been reading comics. But the first one I remember, like, picking out of the, I think it was out of Walden Books on the spinner rack or whatever, mm-hmm. was uh, Adventures of Superman, which has, it was an Invasion Aftermath, like, tie-in book. <laughs> and it has <laughs> Superman flying away from the Daily Planet that's all, like, ravaged and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember Gangbuster is, like, the main guy in that in that book i just thought it was awesome because i didn't know who gangbuster was like i expected superman but it was gangbuster and it was just uh, it was positive obviously because like you said we're still here right yeah (laughs) like like maniacs um but that's that's the first one that i remember actively picking out myself very cool what was the number of that issue sorry uh i believe it was 450 adventures of superman 450 gotcha okay um bob what about you uh okay it's the i don't remember the number okay so i'm very surprised about that uh but it's (laughs) 1962 wow okay and it's the first appearance of the metal men in showcase wow uh i i still remember reading the book sitting in the back seat of my parents 54 black and white ford on a hill in huntington Mm. at the light looking at this giant manta ray with laser beams coming out of its eyeballs attacking a bunch of robots i mean that's a cool book right away right and yeah i'm still here all these years later i I think it was the next week i was my first marvel which is ff5 Mm. wow so i'm still here for this and i'll continue to be still buy (laughs) books every week the house is choked with them and Mm -hmm. what the heck (laughs) steve how about you um let me think uh, all the way back from when I was little, uh, I used to go to work with my mom, and I remember reading a character named Gru. I believe that he was a some kind of like barbarian. Yeah. 
maybe like an Al Jaffe mm-hmm. kind of barbarian. Well, it's Sergio Aragonés who did the uh, mad stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, that explains it because I was a I was a huge huge reader of uh, Mad and Cracked magazine uh, when I was growing up. So um, I also used to live above a comic book store for quite some time. So I used to buy lots of uh, X-Men, Punisher. Um, As far as something that I I actively went to go out and buy, um, I guess would be in my later teens. Um, I absolutely fell in love with Roman Dirge's uh, Lenore comics. They're a little bit gothier, a little bit more absurd, Mm -hmm. but... um, Something about the art style that's uh, very reminiscent of my own, uh, that I identified with it, and I found the stories to be pretty dark and pretty funny. And uh, I was just going through a time in my life where where that like suited me just fine. I didn't need superheroes. I didn't need all the flash. Mm-hmm. I wanted something that was going to be kind of cruel, kind of funny. And had like adorable characters, and and when you're dealing with you know dead bunnies, it's just <laughs> yes. it's right right up my alley at the time. Still is actually right. So I'm Lenore's a great, and it, it's funny. My uh, my mom's name is Lenore, and I you know she saw the book and she was super excited. And I was like, all right, if you want to read it, go ahead. But you're not going to be you're not going to be happy. Yeah, she's you, a, you know she she's a little she's a little dead girl, and and she, you know she's risen from the grave, and she has all these adventures and. All these weird friends, uh, the shading, it's black and white comics, but the shading is really cool. Um, it's got like a really, like a gothic, almost like a soft tone to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got little blurbs and side stories. Uh, one of the funnier things real quick was one where uh, she's watching that little let's all go to the lobby mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. thing that, it had, you know, plays in between the yeah. movies. And she, like, the bottom panels, it's like, oh, let's all go to the snack bar. Let's all go, because they can't say lobby. Right, yeah. Copyright infringement. But she she takes a running start, and she dives into the the popcorn and starts eating the popcorn. And he's like, my brains! <laughs> and she takes a big chomping bite out of the hot dog, and he's like, oh, the agony! And I just... It cracked me up, and and the whole moral thing is is that she fell asleep while watching a movie, and this was one of her dreams. Mm, okay, and it's just it's cute, it's funny, you know. So that was what got me like buying comics again, and then of course I fell off again, and then here we are. Right. So you know. there you go. I've been out of the loop for a long time. Mm. There we go, uh, Stephanie. What about you? Um. So the first things I guess I can ever remember buying was um. I don't know if it's like this in the States, but in Canada, like uh, like the supermarket aisles are all lined with magazines and they have the Archie comics. Sure. Um, yeah. So I, I used to pick up the Archie comics. Like I'd beg my mom and be like, please, I want to read it. And that was the first thing I ever really read that was comic booky. Um, but I, I aside from that, I didn't really read much growing up um, until I got to college and... Um, I was using like comic book art to sort of inspire me in my work and in my projects. And uh, my roommate decided to buy me Crisis on Infinite Earths um, as a Christmas Mm. present. She didn't really understand like anything about comics. And she basically just went to the store and picked up like something off the shelf she thought was pretty. (laughs) <laughs> got a good cover really, there's no that's question really intense like first read yeah <laughs> yeah and I, I like i didn't know what to do with it and i was kind of like for somebody who's not too familiar with that world like and the, <laughs> I was world's like, plural in this case <sighs> yeah 
I mean, I loved the art. Yeah. And I loved it in general, but I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Holy crap. Who but are these 5,000 characters I've never seen before? Yeah, and I'm like, what? But it inspired me to go look up these characters and go to the bookstore and the comic book store and get into other comics. So it wasn't exactly like, I mean, a completely positive, I loved it so much, I had to go buy more. It was a, what the fuck's going on? I want to go find out what this means. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, that's really how I got into comics more. Awesome. Yes. More. <laughs> um, so what's next? Well, this one, the first part of this question is more for Bobby and then I guess the rest of us. So the first part is, um, again, from Aaron. Um, and he wants to know how the podcast and website oh. came to be and what was the inspiration. And then the second part, which we can all sort of talk about afterwards, was how did we all meet each other? Gotcha. So okay. I will let you take that. Um, so it really happened because I had stopped reading comics for a while as well. And, you know, when the DC New 52 got announced, much like their, you know, whole reasoning for it was, <laughs> I was like, hey, I can start reading these books again and not have to worry about doing a ton of research and spending thousands of dollars <laughs> in back issues to understand what's going on. Um, you were wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for the most part, I was wrong. But <laughs> there are, uh, and I was kind of, before I started, I was kind of deciding like, well, what, what, what do I want to buy? What don't I want to buy? And not that reviews weren't up, but it was just, I was Google searching stuff and it was tough to find stuff for me. Like I just was kind of getting frustrated with it. And so, you know, I was like, you know what? I I'm buying these books anyway. Um, what if I just start a blog that's going to be reviewing these new 52 books? That was kind of what the, the first genesis of the idea came from. Um, it would give me an excuse, like every podcast and website I do, give me an excuse for spending the money I do on those things by work doing some related. sort of work yeah. on it. You know, It's a tax write-off, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's what I decided to do. Um, so that's where it came from. It has obviously grown in Genesis. The original team was not even – no. originally, the four people I asked were BJ Jackson, who does Doctor Who cast with me, um, Brad Jones, and Brian Verderosa. BJ said he didn't want to do it, um, and I put out a call on Facebook. I just said, hey, I'm looking for people to do this thing with me. Um, would you be interested? And Steve – who's sitting here right in front of me, yo, yo. Uh, responded to me. And I was like, okay, sure. I mean, I knew Steve, but I didn't know anything about really that side of him or, you know, him as a writer. Um, and <laughs> it was, you know, we, we all took books from the new 52 and we assigned them. And Steve kind of was like, I'll just take anything. <laughs> you know, and so he took a lot of the the weirder books. I wanted all the women. You that's wanted all the women books. I all the darker books you wanted. So <laughs> and that's yeah, kind but... of how it Genesis, you know, and then it's grown more than I ever really expected it to since then. You know, now we're covering so much other stuff and you know we're we had at, Batman on the show. We had Scott yeah, Snyder yeah. on the show. <laughs> so like th that kind of stuff I didn't I never even imagined when we first started, but that's kind of where the idea came from. Um, and Stephanie, was it that part of the question? Uh, how did we all meet each other? Oh, well, I've never met these people in my life. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Joey just wants to separate himself right now. That's a, that's a good call, yeah. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've met nobody. Yeah, I'm in exile. It's true. Um, it's true. well, I... yeah, go ahead. You can talk about, um, well, I'll go with Stephanie and I first, yeah. uh, Stephanie and I are both, um, 
contributors to uh, JoeBlow.com. Uh, we work within the digital dorm section of their website. And um, I had actually seen uh, a picture of Stephanie on um, what they call the MFC network, which is basically um, a community of, of movie watchers, mm-hmm. kind of like a Facebook kind of thing. And she had a bunch of really cool um, concert posters up in her house. And I was like, oh, I listened to that band and that band. And I was like, oh, hey, you know, really cool posters in your house. And she probably thought that I was, like, creeping on her in the beginning. And um, I think she totally were. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, no, it was, it was legit. It was legit. And... Um, I don't know. It's it's it just it spawned into a emailing war back and forth, and then it's you know it moved into uh, AIM conversations and Skype conversations and whatnot, and um, we just found out that we really get along, and and then uh, we started a couple of projects together. We had a, a little website going for a while that Stephanie asked me to be a part of called uh, NeverEndingStoryProject.com which was um, like a uh, literary-based website and music website. And uh, eventually, I asked her to be a part of Talking Comics. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she jumped on board, and it's been awesome ever since. Yeah. And um, we were going through some kind, of, some kind of staff changes or whatever, so some people were kind of weren't really didn't sign up for kind of the more intense nature of the things we're getting where we're kind of expanding past this New 52 thing. So uh, some people drop out, and thankfully, Stephanie stepped in. Um I have a I have a sidebar question really Absolutely. quick. Sorry, um, do you know Alex Keen at Joe Blow? Uh, no. I don't. I don't think any of us know him. Like we know of his work, and we sort of all kind of like talk on Twitter and on okay. the MFC site. But I don't think like any of us. Some of them know each other. Like, but it's really I haven't met him. It's really hard cool. to know what people's actual names are too, because everybody has <laughs> right. a moniker. And I found out that like one of my like main dudes, he's like, "Oh yeah," he's like, "You know, you and I are going to be switch hitting on Thursdays." And I'm like, "But it's your name's Johnny Moreno." And he's like, "No, nah, dude, my name is Alex." And I'm like, "What?" <laughs> I've been talking to you for two years, thinking that this was your name, and I'm talking on his own podcast about us switch hitting this article. I'm talking about him as if he's not even the person that writes this shit, and he tells me after the fact, yeah. "I'm like, you let me Some sit Alex there like an asshole." That's really funny. Yeah, that's really funny and yeah. uh, hilarious. Back to my question, real quick, Bob. Um, Bob and I met doing trivia at a yeah. local bar. Um, and for about a for a year, uh, Bob did another podcast that I used to do called the Fanboy Remix Podcast, which was a, a movie focused podcast. We did that for a year, um, and again, when we we're kind of going through like these staff changes and stuff, um, we needed a, a fourth chair for the podcast, and um, Bob had become a really great podcaster in the year that we did oh, Fanboy Remix. That. So I asked him to be on, and he knows a shitload about comics, and he's been reading them for a long time. He does. Yeah. But I'm, I'm still sort of a reserve Avenger here. Not, re- not anymore. You are not. You are not. <laughs> you are not. <laughs> All right, this is we gr- love you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Next question before yeah, I get all teary. Yeah. We're going to start crying, Joe. Yes. You get a little emotional. <laughs> um, um, so Patrick Hick. Oh, uh, <laughs> awkward. Yeah. Emotional in here. Just kidding. Go ahead. <laughs> um, so Patrick Hicks, who is Shoeless Patch on Twitter, um, he had a couple questions. Uh, the first one was, what are you guys more committed to, character or creator? I would I love to start that. Oh, oh jo- I'll let Joey go, and then I'll go. Okay. 100% creator. You should never follow a character, ever. Interesting. This is what I, this is what I was talking about earlier, you know, when you're buying 
a book that you hate because it has a character that you like in it. That's mm-hmm. bullshit. You don't don't do that. That's yeah. how that's how things like Batman and the Dark Knight are top selling books. <laughs> or things like <laughs> Superman, which have been terrible since the new fifty two launched. That's it's a garbage book, but it's a top selling book because it has Superman in it. Right. Yeah. But the, if if everybody that bought that book that was pissed about it stopped buying it, it would immediately drop. Mm-hmm. And I'm so, so sick of the people complaining about books that they have purchased many months on end <laughs> only to be pissed about it. You know it's going to suck. Don't buy the book. Indeed. It's as simple as that. And actually, right now on comics.ign.com, we have an, an article called Superhero Characters versus Creators talking about why it's more beneficial to the industry and selections um, to follow creators as opposed to just characters. Yeah, I, re- I read that today. It was a very interesting article. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. Very cool. So that's that's my two cents. But I mean, if you if you follow a creator, you're more likely to find new characters that you like. Example, um, which is actually in that article, is Iron Fist. Like Iron Fist ever mm-hmm. gave it a shot because Brew Baker and Fraction were writing it, and oh my god, I love Iron Fist. <laughs> Awesome. Whereas if you just stay on some character because you like the character, but the book sucks, you don't get anything out of that. Mm. And it's like giving false information to the publishers as to what you are enjoying with your money. And that's you're going to get more crap because you're just in this habit of buying characters you don't care about. Yeah. Right. Steve. Uh, creator. Absolutely. Creator. Um the Lunar Brothers is is a great example of that. I mean, I know I've been talking about them a lot. They are steadily becoming probably my favorite th- um, th- thing in the comic industry since we've started this. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read Girls. Girls blew me away. I'm in the middle of reading Ultra. Uh, the first issue of Whispers really got me. And um, it's kind of like a, like a director. Like if you like a director, you're mm-hmm. gonna you're gonna check out. There are other, you know, there are other movies or writers. You like the way that they, you know, you like the story that they crafted. Um, there's no guarantees with characters. Like, like Joey was saying, like something with Batman, the Dark Knight, like it's Batman and Batman's my favorite and it's awesome. But there's no guarantees that you're always going to end up with a great book. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no guarantee. I mean, every so often a creator will have a dud, but um if you're if you know like I, I'm a person that I know what I like, mm-hmm. I'm very particular, and I'm usually pretty good at picking things out that I know that I'm gonna like. It's it's very rare that I'm surprised that I didn't like something. Mm-hmm. Um but creator, absolutely, because it, it leads to it it opens the doors for so many other characters you might not have checked out if you just kept buying a book because a character was in it and it sucks. You it's a waste of money. Right. Uh, I mean, just like take the new fifty two for example. Um, I pick up Animal Man day one, not because it's Jeff Lemire, because I don't know who Jeff Lemire is at this point. I just pick it up because I'm like I'm reading the books. You know, I'm I'm gonna check out this book, sure. and I heard I saw a review that said, "Oh, it was pretty cool." So I read it. I loved it. I started reading Sweet Tooth because Jeff Lemire writes Sweet Tooth. Um, wasn't interested at all in Frankenstein Agent of Shade. But then Jeff Lemire is writing Frankenstein Agent of Shade, so I'm checking that out. Um, I, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I think it's ridiculous to follow just a character. I mean, in this whole thing where you're saying, Joey, about people complaining about books that sell, uh, uh, books books that sell, they're buying them, but they're complaining about them, but they still buy them. So they have nothing to complain about. We talked about this yeah. when we talked about before well, Watchmen, yeah. right? Where, where I was just like, if you don't want to read it, just don't buy it. you know. But you're going to buy it anyway, and that's why they're making it. So... Well, when I when I started with comics, um, Mm -hmm. let's see. For the most part, there weren't credits, Mm -hmm. 
which was back then. But in, in that Silver Age period, I was reading the original creators of the characters doing the books. Right. So I've done both. Mm -hmm. But it's in the last 10 years, 15 years or so, particularly where when they decided that there was a clone Spider-Man and what I was reading wasn't the real character anymore, mm -hmm. you just stole my money for 10 years, mm -hmm. in essence. So I dropped it like a hot potato and actually sold off my back issues. I was so annoyed. I stopped reading X-Men the same way. I read what I enjoy reading. I still uh, will plead guilty to still following the Fantastic Four, Captain America. Mm -hmm. And luckily enough, the books have come around, those two particularly, lately, with really good creators, mm -hmm. where some of them have been fallow for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's, it's about creators now for me, too. Yeah. Um, Stephanie, what about you? Um, I think you guys have pretty well summed up my feelings on it. But again, it's creators. Sometimes I get tempted to follow a certain character around. But I mean, there's even characters you, that you'll get disappointed with if you just follow it for mm -hmm. the character. So again, I mean... You're going to want to read people that you enjoy reading. So, <laughs> right. yeah. Um, next question. Yes. So, same um, asker, tweeter. Anyways. <laughs> asker. <laughs> um, Another new word. You got, we have to make a list and, welcome, and copyright everyone. these. Yeah. Learning with Stephanie. <laughs> um, okay. So, I, I think this kind of ties into the same thing. Um so I'm going to skip over it. Okay, anyways. So what are your opinions on the digital versus print price point? Should they be the same? Um, I'll, I, I'll can, I can start because I buy a lot of comics digitally. I mean, um, I think it's sort of ridiculous that the prices are the same for the most part. Mm -hmm. They're always the same. Um, I do think it's at least cool that DC discounts the books a dollar the month after they come out digitally. Um but I, I, it, it feels weird to me that I'm not buying a physical thing, especially books that are $3.99 and above for some reason that extra dollar, it makes me sweat, you know, mm -hmm. but it's just that I'm buying, let's say, um, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man for $3.99 on my Comixology app. And I have the digital file in, on my iPad, you know, and I can download it whenever I want if, if anything happens to it, but I don't have a physical thing. And not that... Ultimate Comic Spider-Man number one is ever going to be worth anything anyway because they're going to print so many or, you know, whatever. But I don't even have... It's not even printed on paper. I don't even have... It's not even worth the paper it's printed on, you yeah. know? Um, <laughs> so to have a, not a physical object and still be charged three ninety nine feels a little weird to me. I mean, that's the way I feel Look, about it. I understand their business model has to be to not destroy the printed monthly book. Right. But how can they justify well, what is the actual cost of shipping you electronically a digital book zero nothing zero <laughs> so the profit mm -hmm. for them is massive yeah if they sell one hundredth one thousandth as many digital copies as, as another book they're way ahead mm -hmm. joey what do you think about this i think this is an issue that the comics industry has a lot and they don't they seem to not fully understand mm -hmm. their readers <laughs> The digital market is not the same people that are going to their comic shop every single week. Mm -hmm. They're just not. It's just not. I, the people that are going to the comic shop every single week probably know that digital exists. They're deciding to go to the comic book shop because that's what they want. They want print comics. Mm -hmm. I go to the comic shop every week, but I also buy some things digitally. Mm -hmm. Like There's going to be people, people that fall in between, but the way that they're 
they're pricing these things is like they don't want to hurt the retailers, and you know, so they they're gonna jack up the price of the digital comics, which is ridiculous. Uh, like you guys just said, digital comics are gonna be cheaper. To, I mean, there's the cost of you know, the creators and things and 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 digitizing these these books, but distributing them, you're not paying for, um, you're not paying for shipping these these things to Diamond. You're not paying mm-hmm. for printing them onto paper. There's just no reason they should be the same price. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they should be a dollar or whatever. Like two bucks, I think is fair. A dollar ninety nine per for per new issue, mm-hmm. I think is totally fair for for an, a new digital comic. Um, but I just I I don't think there's there's just someone in the higher ups just isn't understanding that digital is not even they're not even really competing in, in terms of the direct market. Right. Yeah. Um, and the same thing too with the with the Comicsology app and this thing. DC new DC books don't come out until two p.m. on Wednesday digitally. Wow, it, it's just weird to me. Like, oh, it's not coming out until two p.m. Well, I'm gonna go to the comic book store before two p.m. because I can't wait till two p.m. You know, <laughs> if I'm gonna buy my DC books digitally, I'll buy them if they come out at nine a.m. or they come out at three p.m. If I'm buying them digitally, that's how I'm gonna buy them. You know, so well, I don't. That's uh, again the the whole thinking that digital is gonna kill the the direct market, and it's just I don't think it's I don't think it's true. Right. <laughs> like it's just a it's a totally different thing and the, what they should be doing is using digital to grab these you know these mystical new readers that they're so desperately <laughs> yeah grabbing at that right. are just not advertising to. It just I don't understand that they're constantly talking about grabbing new and lapsed readers but yet where are they advertising these things? They're advertising in comic shops, they're advertising on comic websites. <laughs> you need to not Advertise there. You need to go to TV or movie theaters with you know, like the the Green Lantern movie, for example, should have had all these ads for comics in front of it, and it just didn't. Yeah, I just don't understand. Yeah, so, Joey's starting to sound like me. This is one of my <laughs> kind of rants. I, I, I I've been saying for the longest time now. Now particularly, you've got Warner's owning DC, Disney owning Marvel. Why not at the supermarket checkout counter? Why aren't there comic books instead of the exactly. Inquirer and McCall's or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. That exactly. the little kid sitting in the cart sees Spider Man and Superman mm-hmm. and everybody and yeah. wants what's that? And you, you get a reader from that. That's a new reader. Yeah. Exactly, and you know, I I wrote a column about this last week. Um, I do a hero wars mostly every Friday, <laughs> um, but last week's was about all ages. And, yes, I mean specifically, it was tying into the new animation block that Disney and Cartoon Network have. You know, that are both Marvel and DC focused, respectively, right. um, and how that could really, you know, how Marvel and DC could generate new readers from these things by just a simple 30 second spot on TV like hey you like this ultimate spider-man cartoon well guess what there's a whole crap load of of comics you <laughs> right. can go pick up and get like infinite stories with this shit like right. you just it's just a whole there's 60 years worth of stuff that you can go check out yeah. right yeah. now yeah you know what i mean yeah, and all absolutely. all it takes is a really quick commercial maybe a a comic book you know comic book shop locator ad or something mm-hmm. and but no but like you were saying you know just put them in the in the checkout line. Yeah, like Archie is still there. I, yeah, I go to Archie the Digest. Shops. Yep. Archie, the digests are still there. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, let's be honest. A kid is going to be, you know, a kid knows Spider Man from movies, from TV, from whatever. Mm-hmm. But if they see a Spider Man comic when they're at the checkout line, they're gonna be like, "Holy shit! <laughs> I didn't know this existed. This yeah. is amazing." Yeah. 
mom, buy this for me, please. Yeah. And, you know, a mom choosing between candy and a book, what is she going to pick? She's going to pick a book. Right. And there you go. You have a new comic book reader. Yeah. It just doesn't exactly, make sense to me. I mean, I used to work in retail and, uh, like, I'd have moms coming in and, uh, like, one mom, she picked up, like, the entire run of The Walking Dead because her kid doesn't want to read anything else. But he's seen something about The Walking Dead on TV, so he wanted the comic books. And he's reading by picking these up. And, I mean, brilliant. it's mm-hmm. just one of those things. So just, well, uh, you know what's, you know, to me, it's killing the comic book market, the comic book direct, you know, the stores, mm-hmm. is the actual stores. Because people are rude and mean and not welcoming to new people. And the stores are usually dark and weird. And <laughs> and it's just like you can't expect people to want to walk into your store if when you walk in the store they give you a look like you have six heads, you know? You're, you're interrupting me. Yeah. I don't care you want to talk to this guy like, can, can you please talk to me? I'm asking you to buy something from you. The shadowing. The, the shadowing. The shadowing. Yeah. Dude, when we were yeah. in the village yeah. that night. The night that I bought um, uh, Done to Death. Done to Death, yeah. That store... What was that store? St. Mark's. St. Mark's. St. Mark's Comics. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> I gave them every all my bags. I gave mm. them my coat. I <laughs> gave them everything. And yeah. they still had three guys mm. following me around the store. That mm. was so fucking annoying. Yeah. And the store is a little rabbit warren. Yeah. It's a little <laughs> hole in the wall. Yeah. A little tiny right. congested place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I don't. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. You're not going to hide. Yeah. I don't steal. Like I just gave you three bags from Midtown Comics yeah. filled yeah. with shit that I paid for, and I'm coming into your store. I want to browse. Yeah. I don't. You know. Oh, can I help you with anything mm-hmm. for the sixth time? Right. No. Yeah. You know, I asked you if you had something, and you told me that you didn't know. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you're not really very aware of your inventory. Right. So let me just fuck around in here for a few minutes, and maybe I'll buy something. Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, we. I. I, told, I went to this comic book shop, and I asked them for the issue of uh, the new Uncharted comic, and the guy goes, "What?" And I go, "Uncharted. It's based on a video game." Um, you know, it's put up a DC. He goes, well, the DC books are up there. Whatever's up there, that's what's out. Oh, I hate yeah. that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, <sighs> goodbye. I'm never coming in here again. <laughs> you know? That's so ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, my, my issue with uh, a comic book shop is usually, thank God I've never had that kind of experience. But for two years when I lived in New York, I, you know, I lived on Long Island. Hey. And, uh... <laughs> There was a great shop in Smithtown that I used to go to, but then I moved, and there's just no good shop around. So I, I I took to online. You know, my my books came on like, which is fine, whatever. But it was just there was no hassle. There was no like the the subscription idea of my my the shop in in New York that I used to go to would only order enough copies for those that paid for their subscription. Sure. So they wouldn't have copies on the shelf unless you pay them 30 bucks a year you to you know pull their books pull your books for them mm-hmm. for you and then Ugh. get like a 10 percent discount that's crazy that, that's ridiculous in a, in a market that's like already struggling you're not yeah. gonna pick and choose <laughs> who's gonna shop at your at your store like just mm-hmm. be respectful so i do agree that there's a lot of shops out there that could do a whole lot more to hold on to their clientele but yeah you know, Absolutely. what do I know? Quick aside, <laughs> we're we're all from Long Island. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. What'd you say? We're from Long Island. 
Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Awesome. Where do you live? We uh, live out in uh, what, Patchogue and Medford and... Sound Beach. Oh. Sound Beach, yeah. Nice. I used to live... Uh, well, I went to school at CW Post. Okay. And then uh, I lived in Huntington for a while. Very nice. In ah, Wisconsin for a while, and then I lived in Floral Park. Oh, cool. <laughs> and we know exactly what comic book shop you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Not awesome. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Stephanie, uh, next question. Um, so this one is from Joe Mulvey, um, and he wants to know what what does it take to for us to buy creator owned books. Joe Mulvey's a good guy. Let me just put out put that out there. Right <laughs> now. Do you know Joe Mulvey? I I don't know Joe Mulvey. Yeah, he, uh, he has this great new book called Scam from Comics Tribe. He's an indie creator, and he also does a column called. Um, what do you really know about comics? Which was used to be on his blog, but now I think he does it on Comics Bulletin. But it's basically like an interview series with people that don't read comics. Oh, cool! And so huh. what he does is like he basically interviews them on what they think comics are about, which are almost always what you'd expect. Like, oh, they're for kids. They're mm. about superheroes. Blah blah blah. Right. And then he tries to give them things like you know why the Last Man or the Walking Dead or whatever. <laughs> And try and it's a really, I think, interesting, revealing read about the misconceptions about the comics industry or about comic books as a medium. Um, but yeah, he's a great guy. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. Well, do you want to start things off with creator-owned comics or what it takes? I mean, for me personally, it takes nothing because that's that's what I am drawn to. Like mm-hmm. about. Um, creators versus characters earlier and I think a lot of those things come I found let's, let's say you find a book a superhero book like let, a lot of us our entryway into comic comics is superhero characters mm-hmm. but then you you start following the creator and you follow them to their creator own work so if you came on to Brian Azzarello from you know, you were, you're reading the the Bryson, Brian Azzarello and Jim Lee Superman run or whatever, mm-hmm. and then you find out, oh, he's got this book called The Hundred Bullets that, you know, is at Vertigo and it's fucking awesome. Like, <laughs> you have just become a fan of creator own comics. Mm-hmm. The same thing with like Brian K. Vaughn or any of those kind of guys. Like, I if you follow the creators, you're eventually led back. Is really what this industry should strive on. Mm-hmm. Those are the new ideas. Those are the, the new concepts that are constantly fresh. Like uh, superhero comics, as much as I love them, are recycled ideas since the 1930s. It's just it's everything gets recycled, updated a little bit, recycled, updated a little bit, and just mm-hmm. it's a cycle that goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to change. Like you, th- these are corporately owned characters that are literally, you know, they're they're bank accounts. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So like you're not they're never never is anything gonna change so drastically that it's completely new. Right. It's just it just has to keep refreshing itself, which is totally fine. That's the industry that they're in. But the creator owned com that's where new things are gonna come. That's where you have complete stories with the beginning in it. And I, I think that's that's where any comic fan that appreciates the medium should be drawing most of their attention and putting most of their money to. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Um, like Fit- Fatal, which is Ed Brubaker's yeah. uh, new book. Um, I'm reading that because it's Ed Brubaker and I like Ed Brubaker. Um, 
I mean, we I came across there was I don't know it was a couple months ago. We talked about this a couple times already, but there was a week where DC didn't put out any new Fifty Two books. And so I was looking, just looking through books, because I was like, what am I going to read this week? And that's when I found War of the Woods, the Matthew Petz book, which is a career on So awesome. It's such a great book, and I never would have come across it if I hadn't been looking. But one of the great things about it was the first issue was free. You know, it was was free. So I got got to read it. I loved it. So I, I immediately bought the whole rest of the first volume, you know, and that was great. You know, I think that... Like digitally, it's good. You can give that taste, you know. And if people like it, they can come back and they can t- take it all in. And that's what I appreciated. Obviously, if it's a creator already know, I'm more willing to follow, you know. Yeah, that would be my entry generally. Yeah, yeah. That's so. That's my thing. Um, I uh, I actually prefer creator owned mm-hmm. books as opposed to uh, others. I just I find that oftentimes when creators are given properties that already exist, something like Batman or Superman, that you are confined to a certain criteria that you need to meet or a certain Mm -hmm. way you need to approach things that when you do have creator owned projects that are released, that this is basically these artists that let's say they handle the character really well and you do enjoy their writing. You do enjoy who they team up with that. These books are their opportunities to do what they want to do. Like not only are they writing, you know, your favorite heroes, but they've got passions of their own on the side. They're not doing this all the time. There's, you know, private time where they're like, oh, man, I'd really love to do a book about X. Right. And X will turn out to be like Thief of Thieves or something from mm-hmm. the Lunar Brothers or Fatal or Foster, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Peter Panzerfaust, like stuff mm-hmm. like that, that it's it's a break from the norm mm-hmm. and from, from the popular comic culture of everything that's shoved down your throat through TV and through the mm-hmm. media and everything. You get to take a break and you get to read another story. And also what Joey was saying, like, I also prefer the books that are about just people. Like, you know, I love the I love the hero books. They're great, but it wears on you after a while. And with the creator owned books, you get a lot more of that originality. Mm-hmm. So that's I, I prefer them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. I was just going to say, as far as me looking for books when I'm in a comic book shop, I mean, I rely heavily on word of mouth um, and looking at reviews on various sites. But if I'm in a shop just browsing, not looking for anything specific, I hate to say it, but like, I mean, they say don't judge a book by the cover. But if you've got a really cool cover, I'm going to be drawn to that and I want to pick it up. I want to look at it and I will read like the first couple of pages. And if like the writing's up my alley, I'll buy it. Um, I mean, but that being said, like you guys, I do prefer creator and books. Like they're just so much more unique and they have such like way more of a voice to them than some of the like things coming out from DC and Marvel. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Um, so I think we have time for probably just one more question because we're running a little bit long. So Stephanie, pick a good one. Dun, 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 dun. Let me no pressure. See. Pressure. Um. Okay. So let's. Andrew Rostin, who um, wrote uh, an elegy for Amelia Johnson. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that. Anyways. Um, he wanted to know how do environment and mood impact our reading? Do you eat or listen to music while you're reading, or 
are there any specific creators you turn to when you're happy or sad? Interesting. Interesting. Mm. So, uh, Joey, you want to mm. go first? <laughs> That's a hard one. Uh, <laughs> as far as like music, no. Like, I, I need to read in pretty much silence. Cause I get, I, I'm one of those readers that will just read a line over and over again if something else is distracting me. <laughs> um Writing is a different story. Writing, you always, I always have music, but mm. reading, no. And then in terms of creators, like I, like I mentioned, I guess with local, you know, Brian Wood is one of those writers that is turned to to um, sort of rebalance my appreciation of comics <laughs> and just the uh, reality of uh, of you know telling stories with with real people, whether it's local or or New York 4, New York 5, or, you know, even things like Demo, which are still real people, but with a more fantastical slant. Just, like, those those kind of stories really... When I'm feeling burnt out on comics in general, that's those are the kind of stories that I turn to. The ones that are more... Things that I can relate with more than people that can fly and, and punch things hard. <laughs> you know what I mean? So th- those are the kind of the... the the writers that I, I really appreciate. Awesome. Um, Steve, you want to, um, well, usually, uh, this is going to get a little private, but, uh, <laughs> usually the way that I read comics, uh, or have read comics in the past few months is, uh, I have this big, uh, leather recliner in my living room and, uh, I've got a, you know, lamp, Obviously, for, for light. <laughs> and, um, you don't have to get that specific, okay? I I know I I like no music. Um, I can't I can't really read with music. Um, the if if, it, if there is music, it has to be instrumental. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I read with my cat as as masculine <laughs> as too. that sounds. I have a I have a big furry blanket that she loves. I throw it over me. I have a pile of books on a little table next to me. She jumps up on my lap. I got my my alcoholic beverage <laughs> next to me. And usually if I sit down to read, I read several books at a time. I don't just read one and get up and mm-hmm. go. Um, and as far as what books make me happy and what makes me comfortable, again, I never turn to superhero books. As much as I love Batman, Batgirl, Batwoman, and all the bats, um, <laughs> I just I read those for fun and as as good as some of those storylines are I still find them all to be very popcorn. Um I look to to other things like Andrew Foley's Done to Death or um Royden Lepp's uh Rust or or the Luna Brothers stuff that something that actually evokes uh emotion in me. Superheroes don't do that. I don't feel for the superpowered beings in these books. I might feel for the situations, mm-hmm. but I don't feel for them in particular. Mm-hmm. Um with the exception of, of Batman. <laughs> but um yeah, no, I don't know. Uh I quiet environment, just me, no distractions, and I, I go to like more of the creator owned stuff to to be happy within my environment to actually hear a story about real people in extraneous circumstances that I could almost imagine that happening in my world. Mm -hmm. It's when we go off world or fantasy world that starts to kind of take me away as much as a fantasy guy that I am. um, I still feel very removed from Mm -hmm. the stories. Gotcha. Uh, Bob, what about you? Uh, Generally the living room. Mm -hmm. Um, 
occasionally that that alcoholic beverage, a glass of wine or something. If I'm just reading my weekly books, Mm -hmm. no music, if I'm doing graphic novels or a run or something like Mm -hmm. that, I'll tend to put something on, generally classical or jazz or something, Mm -hmm. not with words. Right, like it's kind of. I, I don't. Bizarre. I don't understand no. people who can read and listen to music with words. Yeah, <laughs> but it makes my mind explode. Uh, if if I'm really cheesed off about something, mm-hmm. uh, I have uh, Russ Cochran put out years ago oversized bound sets of the EC horror comics, mm-hmm. and if I'm really pissed at the world, pulling out a you know a haunt of fear or tales from crypt, or someone gets an axe through the head. <laughs> You know, or, nice. or, they, or they play baseball with the guy's guts and, and lay out the intestines on the baseline. That'll get you feeling better about nice. things. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, Stephanie, what's uh, what's on your yeah. agenda um, for both? Same sort of thing as far as music goes, but I, I can't really listen to anything at all. I have what I like to call self-diagnosed ADD. And <laughs> basically, if I'm like, you know, reading and listening to music and you know, something comes on that I'm like, ah, oh my God, I love this song. I, I'll get really into that song and I won't be focusing yes. on what I'm reading. Um, so basically, silence. Silence is good in the case of my reading. I like to create my own worlds, even if it's sort of comics. And I like to be put into what's going on and just sort of get completely enveloped in it. And um, yeah, I mean, I don't really think I turn to any specific creator to make myself when I'm happy or sad I just like reading comics or in general and just being transported somewhere else where I'm not gotcha that's brings us around to you our host um well for me generally no music sometimes I will listen to I'll listen to movie scores sometimes depending on if I can find just the right score for the book that I'm reading that's nice you know I'll do that sometimes um but generally no it's usually generally silence um, it's generally um, on my couch. Um, I'll try to read uh, a few books at a time. Let's be fair. Sometimes it's on my couch. A lot of times it's on the toilet. I'm not going to lie. Okay. I'll read a lot of books while I'm in the bathroom. Um, <laughs> uh, and you thought you were being personal, Steve. It comes from, it comes from growing up with a, a couple of siblings and like needing like a break from all of that stuff. And because when you're in your room, they always just come in your room, you know. But like if you're in the bathroom, they don't come in the bathroom. Sometimes I'm not even going to the bathroom. Sometimes I would just read. I can imagine your sister Lindsay coming into the bathroom anyway. Yeah, yeah. you have other siblings besides Lindsay. I have an older brother too. He's crazy. No, 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 not at all, not at all, not at all. Um, But um, as far as like moods go, you know, I really I I like you know big superhero books. My taste in comics is a lot like my taste in movies, which is. I really like the big fun stuff or like, you know, the, the, the I guess the big Hollywood stuff in this mm-hmm. case, like the big company stuff until I, until I'm, I feel like I need something a little different, you know, and then I'll turn to it and I'll get a nice little respite and then I'll go back, you know? Um, but as far as like, I respond to really tight stories, no matter what the, no matter what the topic is. So if it's a Batman story or a creator owned comic, if the st- writing is really tight and I feel like the tone is consistent and the characters are really good, like m- I will always react to it. And that's why I love Snyder's Batman so much. Cause I feel like there's just a consistency of tone that, and the characters feel, sure. you know, alive to me. Um, and I love when I'm in, when I'm kind of in a bad mood, I really like reading Spider-Man book cause I like the humor. You know, I like, I'm loving Bendis' run on Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, and right now especially. And so I'll, you know, take a look at that, and I'll, it'll make me laugh and all that stuff. So that's kind of where I go. That's for good. That. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, I think that's it for our questions. And we got a lot more questions. And yeah, so maybe – oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, so I think we'll save some and we will bring them back um, in, for another episode. So if you ask us a question and we didn't read it out, don't worry. We did read it and it's on a list and we will get to it. We promise. Maybe we'll have a question of the week. We'll <laughs> have a question of the week. We could actually, that's great. Actually, we could do that. Um, way to plan right on the show. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is the point usually where I'd get into this week's releases. We are running a little bit long, so I'm just going to try to run down really quick a couple of the stuff, um, you know, when I get off my iPad because <laughs> I was focused on something else. Um, so here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. So this is going to be some of the, the, the big stuff. Um, from DC Comics, we have All-Star Western number six, American Vampire number 24, Aquaman number six, um, Batman the Dark Knight number six, which is obviously Joey's favorite, favorite book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, favorite ever. Yeah. Blackhawks number six. Um, Flash number six, uh, Steve's favorite book, Fury of Firestorm, The Nuclear Men, number six. <laughs> Fuck that book. <laughs> um, Green Lantern, New Guardians, number six. I, Vampire, number six. Justice League, Dark, number six. Uh, Ray, number three of four. Savage, Hawkman, number six. Superman, number six. Teen Titans, number six. And Voodoo, number six. It seems underwhelming. It does seem underwhelming. So I'm excited about The Flash, but... Um, let's see what else we got. There's some good stuff in there. There's some good stuff. And just in there. a quick note: I do not dislike uh, Gail Simone. I know you. I know I, know I you bag don't. on Fury of Firestorm, but I like a lot of her other stuff. Sorry, Gail. You're liking Bad Girl, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna skip to Marvel right now. We have uh, Avengers Academy number 26, um, Avengers Solo number five of five, <sighs> um, Captain America and Bucky number six twenty seven. Yay. Uh, I'm finally buying a book this week. <laughs> Joey's other favorite thing, Deadpool number 51, is yes. coming out. As well as Deadpool Max 2 number 5. Oh, perfect. Yeah. So it's a, it's a good week for you. Uh, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz number 5 of 8. Uh, yeah. Fantastic Four number 603. Two books I'm up to now. There you go. Magneto, Not a Hero, number 4. Which sounds like a parody song title to me. It doesn't even sound like a comic book to me. Um what else we got here? We got uh, Mighty Thor, number 11. New Mutants, number 38. Yeah. We have Secret Avengers, number 23. Um, Spider-Man Marvel Adventures, number 23. I'm up to three books. Um, we have <laughs> Ultimate Comic Spider-Man, number 7. Uncanny X-Force, number 22. Venom, number 13.3. Uh, Wolverine, number 300. We have Wolverine and the X-Men, number 6. We have X-Men number 25 and X-Men Legacy number 262. Um, as far as indie stuff goes, um, Grim Fairy Tales, Alice in Wonderland number two Sweet. is coming out, um, as is Jurassic Strike Force 5 number two. Rawr! <laughs> <laughs> um, from Image, we have Chew number 24. We have Bulletproof Coffin, Disinterred number two of six. We have Mondo number one of three, which uh, review is up on the site right now. Um, (laughs) Morning Glories number 16. Yes, yes. Uh, No Place Like Home. Very good. Number one, which you also reviewed on the site. Yeah, I liked it. It was very good. Um, And there's a lot more stuff coming out, but I want to get done with the show. So, um, if Bobby's tired, yeah, I'm slacker. very tired. I'm very, I'm a big slacker. Um, if I read everything, that could be a whole entire hour long show. <laughs> the list that I'm reading off of. Um, unless, unless anybody has anything else they're picking up that's 
independent that they know of, and then we can. All I know is that number seven. There we go. No, I just I I never walk out of the comic book store on Wednesdays without any more than like twenty something books. I know you're saying you're only picking up three, Bob. Yeah. I every week I walk out there with a pile, and I bag and board all my shit. You're an animal. You're an animal. I am. I have a sickness. (laughs) I need help. Help me. I've I've had the sickness. You've seen what passes for my library. It's true. You. I'm picking. I'm still buying things I haven't even read yet. Mm-hmm. Aquaman. Sickness. I'm still getting Aquaman. Sickness. Why? Why? Because you're you're not, you don't even know if it's good. It. You're just buying it. I know. Buy it. I know. Don't you're do doing that. exactly what Joey's telling you not to do. I know. <laughs> I know. Aquaman a, is still in well, the top Aquaman, ten. No, Aquaman's good. It's worth it. So it's okay. There you go. See, <laughs> well, you got lucky. Uh, you, you could have been awful. You never have known. The cover for <laughs> X Men 25 that comes out uh, is amazing. Mm-hmm. So that'll be. Uh, featured on the site as well when I get around to doing those again. Your your cover article, the best yes, covers of the week. Yes, I, I will be returning to the website. We're um, looking for you. Well, you have two reviews. You just wrote two reviews. Yes, yes, but I will be back mm-hmm. in a much larger capacity in the coming weeks. Fear that. Be afraid. <laughs> be very afraid. Um, so uh, before we get out of here, just really quick, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, info at talkingcomicbooks.com, on Twitter at talkingcomics, uh, facebook.com, uh, backslash talking comics. Um, uh, review the podcast on iTunes if you get a chance. It, it really helps out with people randomly looking for shows. Um, if you don't use iTunes and you've uh, used another software, I don't know what's going on. But if they have a review service there, you know, please uh, write a review of us. Um, subscribe to the show because then you don't have to really worry about pushing a button every time. It just uh, it just happens. Um, so it's magic. It, it is. It's magic. It's the magic of technology. And I fear it, but I also love it. Um, and talkingcomicbooks.com is the website where we put up reviews, uh, columns, um, the covers article, which uh, is cool. It features, we features some art, which I feel like sometimes we short a little bit on the show because none of us... Not are... me. Oh, yeah, that's true. See, that's <laughs> yeah, true. Um, I'm the art man. And uh, Joey, thank you again for being on the show. Why don't you tell people they can get in touch with you and find your stuff again? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Joey Esposito. You can also find my work slash blog, personal info stuff, contact info, all that stuff at joeyesposito.com. Um, you can also find my reviews and, and such at comics.ign.com. And also IGN Assemble is our podcast that airs every Friday, except for this week because I'm going on vacation. So, sorry. Now who's a slacker? He's <laughs> <laughs> doing this sl- one to make up for it. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> Um, so, but right. thanks for having me. Oh, of course, man. It was, oh, it was great. a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. Um, giving your insights and everything was great. So thank you so much. And thank you for being a good sport about answering all the questions. All right, time. All right, awesome, man. Um, so for Steve. Bye-bye. Bob. Out of here. Stephanie. Goodbye. And Joey. <laughs> Later. I have been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>